You never know what you'll see when you come in here. I'm telling you right now. We want to welcome those of you who are at our Mill Creek campus and those who are at our Sugarloaf campus where I'm teaching today and those who are watching online. And today, I am at our Sugarloaf campus. Our Mill Creek campus is located about 20 miles north of where we are. And I want to encourage you, if you're not attending a church anywhere and you're watching online today, to attend a campus that's uh, closest to you. It's amazing how uh, the meaning of words can change uh, as you get older and, and as times change and as culture changes. Words that we, for example, would use uh, in one way are not used that way anymore. Uh, more than a century before the advent of modern medicine, if you describe something as viral, that was not a good thing. You were probably talking about a disease that was contagious and that could cause very serious health problems to the human body. Because by definition, you've probably figured out the word viral comes from the word virus. And from modern medicine, we know that a virus is a very small infectious agent that can uh, really infect all types of organisms. A virus is something that you want to avoid. If you talk to someone or find out someone has a virus, you tend to avoid that person because they've got potentially the ability to give you something that can give someone else something that can spread very, very rapidly from person to person. As a matter of fact, how many of you have ever had a computer virus? can ruin your life, right? I mean, it can just ruin your life. It can just really wreck your whole day to have a computer virus. Well, today, a word that once would have sent people scrambling for the hills now can cause the staffs of digital marketing firms to jump for joy. They love it when something goes viral. If you know anything about Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, or if you know anything about the World Wide Web, you've probably heard this phrase many times, something went viral or something is going viral. Now, you may be one out there and you're a Rip Van Winkle and you're still not technologically savvy. You say, yeah, I've heard that, but I'm not quite sure what it means. So let me just give you this simple definition. The word viral refers to a piece of content that is viewed by a very high number of people in just a short period of time. Now, the number of views that it takes for something to go viral can vary. Sometimes if just a few thousand people watches it, it's gone viral. Oftentimes, it takes over a million people viewing it or a million views for something to go viral. And just about anything, any piece of content can go viral. It could be a, a, something I say in this message. It could be an article. It could be a blog post. It could be a photograph. It could be a quote. It could be a tweet. It could be a video. Even a coupon can go viral. Now, the reason why people want things to go viral is because they want a lot of exposure. 
As a matter of fact, business firms love it when something goes viral because what that amounts to is a lot of free traffic, a lot of free advertisement. You get a lot of people looking and a lot of people listening that you don't have to pay anything for whatsoever. For a business, it can mean more sales. For a leader, it can mean more influence. For a, a, a church, it, it can be more, uh, mean more exposure. It can open all kinds of doors, give you all kinds of opportunities to get your name out and, and to deliver a message. So we came up with this idea, and it's one, of, it's one of the coolest ideas we've come up with, I think, in a while. I've been so excited about getting ready for this. We, we're, we're beginning a series today that we're calling Going Viral. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to study over the next four weeks the top four Bible verses in all the Bible that went viral. It, 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 the, how many of you have a Bible app called YouVersion, or it may call the Bible app? How many of you have that? Okay. Most of you do. I've got it on my iPhone, got it on my iPad. Most everybody has. As a matter of fact, over 50 million people now have that app on their iPhone or on their pad or their smartphone or, 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 or what have you. Well, at the end of every year, the Bible app gives a report on what were the most shared the most studied, the most bookmarked verses of all the people that use this particular app. These were the verses that were the most highlighted. They were the most studied. And so we're going to deal with the four most popular, most shared, most bookmarked, most looked at, most studied Bible verses from the year, just gone by, the year 2014. We're going to do a little countdown. We're going to start with number four. We're going to work our way up to number one. And so for number four, it's going to kind of surprise you. It really surprised me. Number four is found in a book called Joshua. It's in the Old Testament. It's not too far past the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. It's book number six. So if you have a smartphone, iPad, or a Bible, I want you to turn to the first chapter of the book of Joshua. Now, the first question we need to ask every time we open one of these verses is, why did this particular verse go viral? What was it about this verse that everybody said, you got to know this verse. You got to re remember this verse. You've got to study this verse. You've got to apply this verse to your life. Why would it go viral? Well, as you turn to Joshua chapter 1, let me give you the backdrop of the story because you kind of need to know what's, what's going on here. God had commanded the people of Israel to take the promised land. And, uh, and, and God had chosen Moses to lead them into the promised land. The, the, the problem was they rebelled against God. And so instead of taking the promised land, Moses had to lead them wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. And the 40 years is now up. Many have died off, including Moses. And now Joshua has been charged by God with doing what he told Moses to do, but Moses didn't, didn't get to do. He said, Joshua, I want you now to lead these people into the promised land. They've wandered enough. They've been punished enough. They, I think they've learned their lesson. It's time for them to go take the promised land on their own. Well, now you're, you're Joshua. Here's your problem. You don't have a lot to work with. I mean, you've got these people, and all they've done for 40 years is eat heaven-fried chicken. Okay, that's all they've done for 40 years. Just kind of wandered around the wilderness. They're not battle-tested. There were no special forces. There were no Navy SEALs. There were no Marines. There was no Air Force. There was no Navy. There was no trained army. They had very few weapons. They had no battle plan. On the other side, they already knew because they had scouted the land out 40 years ago, they already knew that they were about to walk into a land and they were going to face the Hittites, 
the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. They were all hardened warriors. They were all battle-tested. They were all war-experienced. They all had tremendous weapons. They all had great battle plans. And now they know, look, even if they whip all these guys, if we build our homes, then we have to face the termites. So they've got this problem going on. They know, man, we've got such a big task ahead of us. And every one of these tribes, you may not have ever heard of them. They knew who they were. Every one of these tribes was bigger Every one of these tribes was stronger. Every one of these tribes was better equipped than this ragtag bunch of Jewish people. And yet, Joshua has been given his marching orders. Joshua, I want you to lead that group into that land. I want you to take these people and conquer these people and take this land. So the question is, what one verse in this chapter could possibly have been so interesting and so fascinating to so many people and so popular that it went viral. Well, it is a verse that culminates one of the greatest speeches ever given in history because Joshua chapter 1 is actually a kind of a speech that God gives to Joshua. It's kind of a divine pep talk. That God is giving to Joshua to let him know, Joshua, I know what you're facing. I know you're afraid. I know there's some trepidation. I know there's some fear. I know you wish somebody else was given the job. But Joshua, don't worry. Everything is under control. It is a great speech. And this whole speech is built around two words that we love in modern day America. Success and prosperity. Everybody loves those two words. Everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to be prosperous. And in this chapter, God promises Joshua unconditional success. God promises Joshua unhindered prosperity if he follows the principles that he lays down in this verse and in this chapter. Now, I know that many, if not most of us, if not all of us, want to be successful. As a matter of fact, what's true about us is true about your next-door neighbor because if you go to Amazon.com, do you know how many books you can find just on success? You ready for this? There are 26,000 books you can read on success just from Amazon. So everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to know the secret to success. There were two men that were talking about success, and one man said, hey, do you know the secret to success? And the other man said, uh, no, do you? He said, well, yes, I do. With eagerness, he said, well, what is it? Well, he said, I can't tell you. He said, why not? He said, because it's a secret. Now, God tells us the secrets to success. Now, let me tell you the good news. You ready? Here's the good news. This is going to sound a little, little, little kind of out there, but just stay with me. God wants everyone to be successful. I'm going to say that again. God wants everyone to be successful. Now, if you're a guest of ours today, no, I'm not that kind of preacher, and I'm not that, we're not that kind of church. Hear me. God wants everybody to be successful, but God wants everybody to be successful His way. His way is not our way. His way not, is not the world's way. The way God thinks about success is not the way that we think about success because the concluding words to this whole secret to success chapter is found now in verse 9. This is the verse that went viral. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed 
For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now that verse concludes God laid before Joshua these principles of success. We all have a need to succeed. Nobody, I've never met one person in my life that says, my goal in life is to fail. My goal in life is to mess up. My goal in life is to see how low I can go. I've never met that person yet. We all have a need to succeed. But we must succeed the right way, and there's only one way, and that's God's way. So if you want to take notes or you want to write this down on the back of your worship guide or whatever, you maybe want to pop it in your, in your device there. Let me tell you what God said to Joshua. Let me just be honest with you. This is not my definition of success. This is not Warren Buffett's definition of success. This is not Wall Street's definition of success. This is what God says. God says if you want to be successful, you will find it in doing three very wonderful things. All right, here's what success is in God's eyes. Number one, success is experiencing the presence of God. Success is experiencing the presence of God of God. Now, Joshua had some big shoes to fill, and we know that. We find that out right off the bat. Here's what we read in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now, God reminds Joshua of something that obviously Joshua already was well, very well aware, aware of, right? Moses is dead. And why would God remind him of that fact? Because after all, let's kind of put this in perspective. Moses wasn't just a leader. Moses was a legend. Moses was the number one Jew in the Hall of Fame. Everybody revered Moses, the most revered figure in Judaism. And he had been Israel's security blanket for 40 years. He was the one that conquered Pharaoh. He was the one that got rid of the Egyptian army. He was the one that led millions of Jews out in one night from a land where they'd been captive for 400 years. He was the one that just shook a stick in a Red Sea Parted. He was the one that could call down food and call down manna from heaven for 40 years like pouring rain. And furthermore, Moses had a relationship with God unlike any other man before him or any other man after him. Because one of the things that we read about Moses was made about Moses and is never made about anybody else ever in the history of the Bible. In Exodus chapter 33 verse 11 we read this, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to his friend. God didn't talk to Joshua that way. God didn't talk to Joseph that way. God didn't talk to Isaiah or Jeremiah that way. God didn't even really talk to the Apostle Paul that way. But the Bible says that Moses and God were so tight. Moses and God were so close. Moses and God were so joined at the hip. That just as a man talks face to face. That's the way God talked to Moses. He was in the very epicenter of God's inner circle. He was in the bullseye of God's closest friend. And the one thing that made Moses the great man and the great prophet and the great leader that he was, was the same thing Joshua was going to have, which was all that Joshua was going to need. Because listen to this next verse. He said, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And you tell me why that's such a big deal. Tell me why it's so important. 
If God is with you, success is a done deal. If God is with you, you can't fail. If God is with you, in whatever you do, you will succeed. Wherever you go, you will succeed. Whatever you try to accomplish, you will succeed. Someone once said this. This is so true. In whatever a person does without God, that person must fail miserably or, listen to this, succeed more miserably. Now, don't you let that kind of sink in. So what does that mean? What does it mean to succeed without God? How do you succeed miserably without God? Why, why would this man basically say, without God, all success ends in ultimate failure? Let me give you an illustration. Let's suppose we could build our own person, our own man. Let's just say we could build, and we could use anybody we want to build our man. So let's suppose we, 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 we start off with Mark Zuckerberg, right? one of the richest men in the world. And then let's suppose that we add in Tiger Woods. And then let's suppose we add in Brad Pitt. And then let's suppose we add in Barack Obama. So we're going to take these four men. We're going to make one man. Mark Zuckerberg, Tiger Woods, Brad Pitt, Barack Obama. You would have one of the most handsome, richest, famous, powerful people in the world. If that, was, if that man was made of those four men, think about it. That man can go anywhere he wants to go. He can buy anything he wants to have. He can meet anybody he wants to meet. He can basically do about anything he wants to do. He would literally be on top of the world, right? Now, suppose I told you that this man only had one thing missing in his life, God. He's got everything else, but he doesn't have God. He has no connection at all to the creator of the universe, and he dies that way. I want to ask you a question. Was he successful? I say big fat no. I say he was a horrific failure. Because let me tell you what success is. Success is having God inside of you while you're living and having God beside you while you're dying. That's success. If you've got God inside of you when you live, and you've got God beside you when you die, you are successful. It was C.S. Lewis who said this. This is so good. C.S. Lewis said, he who has God and everything has no more than the man who has God alone. How many of you agree with that? Can you raise your hand? Can I get a unanimous vote on that? He who has God and everything has no more than the man who has God alone. See, God wanted Joshua to understand. Look, Joshua, listen, you need to understand this, son. It is not the size of the man in the fight. It's the size of the God in the man that counts. I'm with you. That's all you need to worry about. I am with you. And, that, and listen, that, what does that have to do with what matters to, what, with us? You say, okay, that's real good. So what has that got to do with me? Just this. The same God that promised Moses he would be with him. And the same God that promised Joshua he would be with him is the same God that promises he'll be with you and he'll be with me. The same God that said to them, when you walk out your door, I'll be with you, is the same God that says, when you walk out your door, I'll be with you. The same God that said to them, if you'll just do what I ask you to do, you'll be successful, is the same God that says to us, if you'll just do what I'll ask you to do, you will be successful. God is with us wherever we go, and that's why we should never, ever hesitate. We 
shouldn't even give a second thought ever to doing whatever God tells us to do and going wherever God tells us to go. Because let me tell you this, this is so good. Don't, if, you don't, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I want you to hear this. When God, when God tells you to go somewhere, he doesn't send you, he takes you. He doesn't say, okay, you go over there and he stays behind. Everywhere you go, God says, I'll go with you. Hey, Joshua, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And if you enjoy the presence of God, you can know that success is guaranteed in whatever God wants you to do. So what is the secret to success? Well, first of all, it's experiencing the presence of God. Number two, it is obeying the principles of God. It is obeying the principles of God. Now, this is the part of God's instructions to Joshua that to me is just simply amazing. You ready for this? You ready for this? You're a businessman. You want your business to be successful? Sure. You're a dad or a mom. You want to be successful as a parent? Sure. You, you are an athlete. You want to be successful as an athlete? Well, yeah, sure. And, and, I mean, you, you really want to prosper and, 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 and be successful God's way? You say, yeah, absolutely. Are you ready for this? God says your success and your chances of being successful and your prosperity and your chances of being prosperous are directly tied to how you relate to that book right there. Right? You, you can't get away from it. Success, God's way, and prosperity, God's way, is joined at the hip with how you relate to that book. Now, watch what he says. This is really fascinating to me. Look what he says in verse 7. He says, only be strong and very courageous. Okay, well, we know that. You've got to be strong to fight. got to be courageous to fight. Can't be, can't, you know, you never fight. You, you never win a, a battle in retreat. We get that. But then he says this, being careful. To do according to all the law, that's the word of God, that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Now watch this. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Why? That you may have good, everybody say that word, success. That you may have good success wherever you go. Here's what God said. If you need to succeed, it pays to obey. If you need to succeed, it pays to obey. If you really want to succeed my way and be prosperous my way, you do whatever the Word of God tells you to do. And if you do, if you make up your mind, I'm going to obey that book. I'm going to live by this book. This book is going to run my life. God says success will follow you wherever you go. As a matter of fact, he references this in verse 8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do all, according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way, what's that word? Prosperous. And then you will have good what? Success. He says, look, it's all tied to the word of God. That's absolutely one of the boldest promises ever made in the entire Bible. But I hope the light's coming on. Has a totally different perspective on success. Because let me, if I'd come in this morning and I'd said, hey, write down any word that comes to your mind when I say the word success. Here's what you'd have written down. Position, power, prestige, possessions. That, that's how we think of success. God says, that's not success. 
You can be a miserable failure if that's all you've got to show for your life. God says, can I tell you what success is? Can I make this real easy for you? Success is simply doing what's right. And my word tells you what's right. That's success. End of discussion. That's what success is. Doing what's right. Success comes from obeying God's word. And in God's eyes, the way that you respond to this book determines whether or not you are a success or you are a failure. Now, let me tell you what I think is happening right now. I can imagine right now, thousands of years ago, the light's coming on for Joshua. All of a sudden, his blood pressure's gone down, his heart rate's gone back to normal, the sweat's off his brow, he's not worried anymore, because all of a sudden, he says, okay, I get it. I don't need Moses. They don't need Moses. I've got what Moses had. I've got the presence of God to guard me. I've got the principles of God to guide me. And then, watch this, this is what God does him a big favor. He says, look, it's not enough just to say, okay, I got my Bible. I mean, I've got a Bible in my house. It's on my coffee table. I've got my Bible on my kitchen table. I bring my Bible to church. I've got a Bible on my desk at work. And I never read it, never open it, never study it. But it's there, so I'll be successful. God says, no, 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 no. Having the Bible alone will not give you success. It's what you do with it that will guarantee you success. You say, well, what do you do? He says, okay, Joshua, let me get very specific. First thing you've got to do is you've got to look it up. You've got to look it up. Say, so what do you mean? Listen again, verse 8. This book of the law, he says, shall not depart from your mouth. What do you think that means? When he says, this book shall never depart from your mouth, here's what he says. He said, you and I should read this book so much, ingest this book so much, digest this book so much that its words are literally always in your mouth. Let me tell you why that's such a big deal. If your heart is full of God's truth, your mouth will speak God's truth. If your heart's full of God's truth, your mouth, you know, Jesus himself said, you want to know what a man's heart's like? Listen to him talk. Yeah, have you, listen, have you ever said something really ugly or mean to your wife or your husband, and then you said, well, I didn't mean that. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, you meant it, you wouldn't have said it. Because what's down in the well comes up in the bucket, right? So if it's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. He said, don't let this word be far from your mouth. The more full your heart is of the word of God, the more you will speak God's truth. See, the, the more full your heart is, this, is, this really helps you. The more your heart is fully, I'm going to really help some of you this morning. I'm going to help some of you in your marriage right now. The more full your heart is of God's word, the less likely you are to say things you shouldn't and the more able you are to say things that you should. Don't let this word, he says, be far from your mouth. Look it up. Now watch this. He says, let it in. Let it in. Listen to what he says. You shall meditate on it day and night. That word meditate is a word that refers to a cow that chews its cud over and over and over and over. And here's what he was saying. He said, look, it's not enough just to have the Bible. It's not even enough just to read the Bible if all you're going to do is read it and walk away from it and forget it. He said, what you've got to do is you've got to read this word and then you've got to meditate on it. 
You got to run it around in your mind. You got to think about it until it becomes so much a part of your life that all of a sudden you begin to see your life from God's point of view. Now, look, I realize, I get this. I'm as bad as anybody in this room. I realize that, that, that you know, the very idea of meditating on anything, just taking time to think out anything, is just totally out of step with the times in which we're living. You know, we're living in a day and age, everything's quick, everything's instant, everything's fast. We don't want anything slow. I mean, you, you guys out there in the Twitter world, you know, if you can't do it in 140 characters, you're dead. You're done. They don't want to hear any more of it. I just want to say this. You never waste time, never, when you take the time just to think through and meditate on God's Word. Never waste the time. Let me tell you why. A mind that is filled with the Word of God leads to a heart that is full of the love of God and a life that is lived in the wisdom of God. Let's just let that sink in. I don't know about you. I want to live a life that's full of the love of God. I, 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 I want to live a life that's lived in the wisdom of God. One of the greatest compliments you'll ever get is when people come to you for advice. And I'm not trying to brag. I have a lot of people come to me for advice every single week of my life. You know why? Because they know that I live in that book. And they know I'm going to do everything I can to find some principle or some scripture or some verse or something God says that applies to their situation. So you meditate on it, you, you, you look it up, you, you, you live it out, and you just never waste time. But here's the biggest, there's the biggest step of all. You can't just look it up, you can't just let it in. He said, you got to live it out. you got to live it out. Here's what he says. He says, be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Listen, how many of you have heard the words, be careful now, <laughs> how many of you have heard the words, prosperity gospel come on now raise your hand you can't be that all right good all right I know some of you so if I raise your hand you think I'm charismatic no I'm just asking all right you've heard the word prosperity gospel okay I believe I'm gonna shock you <laughs> I believe in the prosperity gospel if you define it correctly you ready the prosperity gospel is not God wants everybody to be rich. That's not the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is God wants everybody to be obedient. That's the prosperity gospel. God wants everybody simply to do what his word says we ought to do. And that leads to true success. So here's, my, here's what I want you to understand. It's important to read the Bible. Absolutely. It is vital to memorize the Bible. It is great to meditate on the Bible. But let me tell you something. This book won't mean anything to you. It won't be any better than hot spit on a cold day. I don't know where I got that, but I just came to me. I know some of you are thinking, wow. Okay. okay. This book, you can read it, you can memorize it, you can meditate on it, but if you don't obey it, it won't do you a bit of good. It leads nowhere. As a matter of fact, all it will be for you is an exercise in futility. See, here's the deal. Meditation will give you knowledge about God. Obedience gives you knowledge of God. When you meditate, you'll learn about God. But when you obey, you'll know God. And let me tell you something. 
I could ask all of you in this room right now, do you believe the Bible? I'll probably get a 99% vote. Okay, y'all believe the Bible. Let me tell you something. The only proof that you really believe the Bible is that you obey the Bible. If, you, if there are parts of this Bible you don't obey, you don't believe it, you're just talking. That's not true. So don't sit there and tell me, do you believe the Bible when it, when it says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? I absolutely do. Then why don't you give to God's work? So don't sit there and tell me you don't believe that. If you believe that, you'd give. Do you believe that if you follow Jesus, you'll be a fisher of men? I absolutely believe it. Well, then do you fish for men? Well, no, then you don't believe that. Because what you believe, you live. The rest is just talk. And God says, if you want this book to help lead you to success, if you want to be successful my way, you can't just read it. You can't just memorize it. You can't meditate it. You've got to say, I'm going to live this book out. I am going to obey this book. And I'm going to tell you what I've seen happen in life after life after life. And it so blesses me. I've seen people all of a sudden, the light comes on, and all of a sudden you realize, you know what? This stuff is true. This stuff really works. God really does keep his promises. And all of a sudden you say, you know what? I'm going to start living like I believe that it's true. And then here's what God does. God begins to make you successful. God begins to make you successful his way. God begins to work in your marriage. He begins to work in your business. He begins to work in your health. He begins to work in your kids. He begins to work in your life because you really believe this book is true. You live like it's true. God says that's when real success, that's when real prosperity comes. But listen, it has to be partial, a total obedience, not partial obedience. See, here's the problem. Everybody in this room obeys this Bible. Everybody, to some extent, including me, I'm guilty too. You don't get to pick and choose what parts of the relevant commands in this Bible you get to obey. You just don't get to pick and choose. It's not a cafeteria. You say, I like to have that, but I'll have that. You know what, Lord? You, you promised me that you'd meet all of my needs. I'd like a real big plate full of that. But over here where it says I'm to give my tithes and offerings, I think I'll skip that. No, you, you don't get to pick and choose. It has to be total obedience. And that, that's not what I'm saying. This is what he said. He said, be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. You know, in schools, there's now a zero tolerance policy. Your kid brings a knife or a gun to school, he's done. Stick a fork in him, he's done. He's cooked. He's done. He's out. Zero tolerance. In the military academies at West Point, there's a zero tolerance for cheating. You get caught for cheating, you're done, you're out, you're through. Zero tolerance. No second chance. God says, I have a zero tolerance when it comes to this book. I am telling you, I am commanding you to obey all that you find in that book. Everything that's relevant, everything that's still applicable to us, to you and to me, he says, if you find it in the word, you do it. It has to be total obedience, not partial obedience. You don't get to pick and choose. So let me tell you what that means for us in our church. That means we're not going to massage the meaning of God's word to make it politically correct. That means we're not going to conform to what we, or what we teach to cultural relevance or personal experience. That means when you walk into our church, you're going to hear scriptural truth. Because that's what God has called me to do. That's what God has called us to do. Because the more you believe this book and the more you obey this book, God says the more successful and the more prosperous you'll be. So you say, man, I, I want to be successful. Well, success 
is experiencing the presence of God. And success is obeying the principles of God. And then finally, success is fulfilling the purpose of God. I want to wrap this up. I want to show you this. This this is really pretty cool. God made a promise to the nation of Israel. You're going to take the promised land. He promised them that four decades ago. But you've got to have a leader to pull that off. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And you've got to have a leader to get that job done. So now Joshua is about to find out why he was put on this earth. Listen to verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you, Joshua, not anybody else, not Caleb, you. Not Moses, you. You shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now let me tell you what you just read. You just read Joshua's purpose for existence. You just read why God put Joshua on planet earth. You just read why Joshua was even here to begin with. This was his calling. This was what he was born to do. Because I'm going to tell you something. I can say this and I can give personal testimony. The greatest discovery you'll ever make in your life is when you finally are convinced you have discovered why God put you on this earth to begin with. That's the greatest discovery you will ever make. Because I'm going to tell you, the greatest tragedy, in my opinion, the greatest tragedy is to go through life and never figure out why you were put here. To go through life and never figure out the purpose that you were put here for. You know, I thought a lot about this as I was, as I was preparing this message. And, and, I, thought, and I, I, really believe, I really believe that there are three types of people in this world. You put everybody in, this, in one of these three categories. Everybody you know, everybody you live next door to, everybody you work with, everybody you're kin to, they fall in one of these three categories. Every one of you in this room, you're in one of these three categories. There are some people, and they literally have no purpose in life. None. They don't even think about it. They just kind of aimlessly go through life. They go to school. They get a job. They switch jobs. They find a spouse. They switch spouses. They move from house to house. They retire, and they die. And they never really ever figure out or even care about what their purpose was in life. There's a lot of people like that. Then there are a lot of people, and and I, I feel sorry for these people. They have the wrong purpose in life. Maybe they're super achievers. Maybe they've climbed the ladders of financial or political or social success. And they find out too late the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. Because they lived without God, they died without God. And so they thought they found their purpose, but it was the completely wrong purpose. And there are a lot of people like that. But then there's that person, there's those people. They have found the right purpose in life. They know why they were created. They believe that God put them here on this earth to fulfill his purpose for them. And they honestly believe they're doing what they believe that purpose is. And that's why I want to say this one more time. Success is obeying the will of God and the word of God. That's what success is. It is obeying the will of God, finding what the will of God is for your life and doing it, and then obeying the word of God. See, success in God's eyes, I want to say it one more time, has absolutely nothing to do with prosperity, has nothing to do with position, has nothing to do with power has nothing to do with possessions, has nothing to do with popularity, has nothing to do with prestige. It all comes down to purpose. And the only thing God guarantees 100% success for is when you fulfill His purpose for your life.
I, I feel sorry for people. I'm going to tell you. I wake up every day of my life excited about what I do. Because I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know this even more than I'm saved and I know that I'm saved. I know I'm fulfilling God's purpose for my life. What I'm doing right now, listen to me. You may, I mean, maybe I don't do a very good job. There are a lot of guys who do a lot better job than I do. That's okay. That's fine. I can live with that. But I'm going to tell you this. I am 100% certain you're looking at a guy right now that is doing what God created him for. This is what God put me here for. I wanted to be a lawyer. He said, that's not my purpose for your life. It would have been fun to have been a CEO of a business. God says, that's not your purpose for your, my purpose for your life. I would have killed to be the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. He said, that's not my purpose for your life. God said, this is my purpose for your life. This is what I created you to do. This is why you're here. And I want to tell you, when you find that, you hit the sweet spot of life. That's what success is. It's finding and doing the will of God and obeying the word of God. Listen again to what Joshua said here in verse 5. He said, no man, listen, this is so good. He said, Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now, listen to what God said. Listen, we're going to wrap this up. He said, if you'll obey my will for your life, and if you will obey and fulfill my purpose for your life, you will be an irresistible force, and you will be an immovable object. Every foe you meet will be the foe you beat. And nothing or no one can stand with you ever if you will stand with me. Nothing or no one can stand with anyone who says, I'm going to stand with God. So it all boils down to this. Now we're going to teach you a real big lesson. This book is not about you. (laughs) This book is not about me. This book is not about us. This book is not about our personal fulfillment. It's not about our personal success. It's not about our personal happiness. You know what this book is all about? It's about God's plan for your life. It's about God's purpose for your life and how you fit into that plan and how you fulfill that purpose. And God's purpose for us is that we follow his plan and fulfill his purpose. And God says, if you'll do that, if you'll follow my plan and fulfill my purpose, he says, I will fill, feed your need for success with the only success that matters, which is mine. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, but if you haven't, one of the greatest movies ever made. As a matter of fact, it's, it still holds the record tied with two other movies. It won 11 Academy Awards. It's one of those movies I could see at least once a year. I love it. It's called Ben-Hur. How many of you have ever seen the movie Ben-Hur? Next year, we're going to Israel, and, and we're going to, we always do a side trip. And so this next year, we're going to go to Rome. I hadn't been to Rome but, but one time. I want to go back. A lot of things I want to see. If you get to go with me and we go to Rome, one of the things you get to see is the Colosseum. And you may or may not know this, but uh, the Colosseum is where they filmed the, the climactic scene of that movie, which was the chariot race. But you may not know the story behind it, so it'll be good to kind of close with this. They were filming this, this chariot race with and Charlton Heston, if you remember, was, was, uh, was, was the hero in the movie. And, and so they're, 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 they're filming this chariot race in the movie, and the script calls for, for Charlton Heston to win the race. 
But, but, but Heston was having trouble learning how to drive this chariot. And, and, and he, just, he just wasn't doing you know, what he should have done. And, and it, the scene just wasn't working out. And he was really getting frustrated. So he goes to the director, Cecil B. DeMille, and he said, uh, Mr. DeMille, I can barely stay on this chariot. I just can't get the hang of driving this chariot. I can't win this race. <laughs> Cecil B. DeMille put his arm around him and he said, son, your job is just to stay on the chariot. My job is to make sure you win. Now, let me tell you something. God's given you a life, and God's given me a life. You can only do one of two things with that life. You can use it or lose it. You can invest it or you can waste it. You can be a failure or you can be a success. But here's what God says. God says, I'm going to make a promise to you. If every day you'll make it the number one goal of your life, I will not walk out of my house unless I know the presence of God is with me. And from sun up to sundown, when I find something in this book, I'm going to obey it and I'm going to do it. And Lord, to the best of my ability, believing this is your purpose for my life, I'm going to give everything I have to fulfill that purpose. God says, just stay on the chariot. It's my job to make sure you win and you will. Let's pray together. With heads bowed and with eyes closed.